and welcome once again to our podcast. I'm so happy that you're listening in. Thank you so much for for joining and subscribing and listening. Um, Today we're going to be talking about a subject that's really near and dear to my heart. Something that I believe that not enough people are talking about it. Um, In regards to to the church, I feel like the church, uh, not a lot of us are, are speaking on this. Um, and joining me today to talk about this is the pastor of Grace and Love Church, Pastor Mario. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's um, great to have you. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know this topic is really important and uh, it's something that we all kind of have to deal with in today's world. Yeah, it is. Before we get started, uh, why don't you lead us in prayer? Let's just open up this chat with prayer. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. Father, thank you so much for this time, this privilege that you give us, God. I know that your people need to hear about this, and I know that others, Father, that maybe have never heard anything like this need to hear it as well. I pray that you use this conversation to bless those that need it, to set free those that need it, Father. We thank you, God, for this opportunity, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that. So uh, let's dive in. Yeah. All right, let's do this. I do have some questions for you, and they're not going to be easy question, questions. I think they're going to be questions that um, a lot of people have, Yeah. and not a lot of people are, are providing answers for them. But before we get into the questions, is there anything that you'd like to add? Anything yeah. you'd like to say? Yeah, I think that this topic not only is important and vital, but I think it's every believer's duty to understand what God intends for our just our lives in general in this area um, because we just so blindly walking in life without direction and nobody has ever talked about it or rarely and so we don't know what to do we're not equipped for it so I think it's our job to equip so I'm really excited about this yeah that's that's really uh, that's really on point I'm really <laughs> excited about it too um, so the first question that I have for you is where is purity today Oh, wow. Um, Well, if you look at the church, purity is, uh, it's sort of of said, and it's sort of like told and commanded and pushed on people. They might even say it, you know, like people should save themselves for marriage, but it's not, it's not, they don't go into depth. We don't go into depth about it. Like, how does this work? What can I practically do? And there are ministries out there that are doing a wonderful job. But as a body, I feel like we're missing something. But in the world, we, we know where the world's at. There's just no sense of purity. Like, there's no value in that. Like, there's completely the opposite. It's just, it's, it's, it's pretty bad in the culture right now. And the, unfortunately, some of that culture of the world is, is affecting the church especially in young people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you're pretty much saying it's 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 kind of non-existent. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, purity is something that it almost feels like it's a new concept. They've always said sexual morality, which implies the same thing. But the, the, the sense of purity, the sense of being pure before God, is something that, you know, it's, it's sort of not talked about, so it feels new. Why, why do you think the church avoids it? Why, why do you think that we don't tackle it? Not in like a, 
aggressive, condemning way, yeah. but in a in a healthy, um, just helpful kind of way. Why do you think we don't do that? Honestly, and this is gonna sound pretty scary. It's tough to take a stand in today's world. Yeah, and people have find it hard to take a stand because we we preach about a loving God and a graceful God but the God of of righteousness and holiness is sort of kind of looked over because of the immense talk of grace and our church is called grace and love yeah but I think it's tough for people to take a stand because we think we're gonna make enemies and we don't want to offend yeah I, I agree with you I think also that we take like you mentioned something you 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 talked about grace and i feel like um i feel like it we're afraid to to express that there are consequences in life like we are so free and it's so easy for us to talk about grace and talk about god's forgiveness and 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 just kind of talk about those things and we don't talk about consequence like there yeah. there are consequences consequences exist right and i feel like what has happened is is that we push forgiveness so much which is which I, i'm not diminishing or like devaluing or anything like that but i just feel like we do push forgiveness a lot where sometimes maybe in in a person's mind they may even feel like well i'm going to be forgiven or, right. or there won't be a consequence because God is good, because, you know, um, grace abounds, you know. Yeah. So I think that we might preach forgiveness without the sense of responsibility. Mm. So it's okay to preach forgiveness. But if there's no sense of responsibility in the individual's life, then we're really taking that power from them of choice yeah and we're not putting the responsibility back on the person or on ourselves saying we have choices to make in life yes we're not going to be perfect but we're going to try to make the choice that pleases god because we know god and we know he forgives us so i want to live right by him yeah i agree and you know if if we look at jesus um, Jesus is such a perfect example for everything, really. Yeah. But particularly in this, in this subject, um, he didn't he didn't shy away from these things. Like, you know, Jesus came to save us. You know, he he came because he loved us. So we can't deny that he loves us. Right. But he also came to speak truth, and he also came to say, "Hey, look, I love you. Like, I'm here for you." Um, you know, he, he came to, to, to give us these these sermons and these messages and just this inspiration and, and, and this freedom. But he didn't shy away from saying, but there's consequences. So, um, yeah. And, and I think to your point, Jesus told the adulterous woman, you know, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. So you see there the forgiveness and the grace but you also see the responsibility. He empowers her to say no to sin. And essentially that's what God wants us to say. Yes to him is a no to everything else. Yeah. And actually, honestly, I feel like that encounter um, that the adulterous woman had with Jesus, to me, is 
one of the most powerful encounters in the Bible. Yeah. Because you have this woman, right? She's caught in the act. Um, like, she can't deny. She can't deny it. Yeah. Like, her guilt is so evident. And she's, she's thrown in front of the feet of Jesus, in front of God. And God forgives her. He, con- he, he forgives her. He doesn't condemn her. But then he tells her, go and sin no more. And it's, it's crazy because he, he truly empowers her. Like he gives her that, that ability. He gives her that power to, to say, hey, I'm, not, I'm not condemned. I'm forgiven. I don't have to carry shame. Because I feel like when we sin and, and then we're caught in sin, there's so much shame. Yeah. You know, there, there's so much shame when, when we're made uh, to know that we have messed up, that we have sinned. And that's probably why the church doesn't talk about this. Because there's shame involved. And we think if we talk about sex and sexual morality and purity and things like that, that we're going to bring shame to people. But we don't see what Jesus does after the, the, the religious brought shame. The Pharisees brought shame. Jesus took the shame away but empowered her to not sin. The Holy Spirit just told me, I felt, we call this woman the adulterous woman. Jesus no longer called her that. Oh, wow. You see? So either we're going to look at this from the point of view of Jesus and free people, equip them, tell them the truth, or we can look at it like we've been looking at it for so long. Yeah. From the point of the Pharisees. Stop being an adulterer. Stop being a fornicator. Jesus is saying, I am empowering you. I'm empowering you to not be this. Be free. So he no longer saw her that way. It's uh, it's amazing how Jesus came to undo a lot of wrong or basically set a lot of wrong right. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we call her, like you said, we call her the adulterous woman. But he came and called her redeemed. He called her empowered. Yeah. You know, and he, he says that we're no longer his his slaves, but we're his friends. So it he's calling us into this empowerment, into this identity um, that is given by him, which yeah. is which is awesome. And I, I think that you're right, we do need to preach that more. We need to talk about empowering and, and, and strengthening to walk away from it. Right. Right. And and he does the same with the Samaritan woman. I mean, we could talk about this all night. (laughs) (laughs) But he does the same thing with the Samaritan woman. He doesn't shy away from the truth. He tells her that she's had five husbands. But because he exposes that to the light, she's made free. And she doesn't take it as he's condemning me because of his redemption, his, his, his loving way, and his truthful and honest way. She turns away from that. Yeah. And and we know what happens. You know? Yeah. Why do we as Christians, why do you think that we put ourselves in positions? And, and you know, this might repeat some of the answers that we've already given, but I just want to ask it. Yeah. Why do you think we put ourselves in these positions where our purity is attacked? So we put ourselves at the door of temptation, or we might even walk through it, right? Yeah. It, go, it kind of goes with what we were saying. We just don't live through the empowering grace of Jesus. We live by what we we think we can accomplish 
with our own strength. We live, we, we put ourselves in that position, not, not because we think we're going to go sin. We, we put ourselves in that position because we think I'm strong enough not to sin. Yeah. And can I add to that? Of course. I feel like, um, you know, we empower and you mentioned empowerment, but I feel like we can give a false sense of empowerment. You know, we can say, you can do this, you can do this, or, you know, you're free, you're free, you're redeemed, you're redeemed. But if we're not giving the total picture of what empowerment truly is, if we're, if we're just talking about you're forgiven and you're redeemed, and we don't talk about, I guess, maybe what the more that there is to, to this empowerment, yeah. I feel like we're setting up believers to fail. We're, we're, we're giving people this empowerment and then they now feel like they can walk into a situation because they have this this strength yeah. and this uh, self control that maybe they don't have. I think what you're saying is we have to take a few steps back. If we talk about the adulterous woman, um, she, I mean, she didn't have a choice but to be honest and sincere because she would she was put to shame and she was exposed. But what happens to the Christian or to all of us? is that we lose that sense of honesty and sincerity with God. And so we hide that weakness. We hide the weakness of uh, sexual morality, lust, and all of that stuff. We don't talk to anyone about it. We try to be strong within ourselves. And so we put ourselves in those bad situations with all of that bottled up. And so we're really trying to be strong by hiding and by not talking by being busy, by keeping ourselves busy. And then we go into that place and we're not going to make it that way. And so for the adulterous woman that we just talked about and for the Samaritan woman, both those situations, Jesus came and exposed it, brought it to the light. When Jesus bring, brings things to the light, it's not to shame you, it's to help you. Yeah. It's to uncover the darkness and, and uncover the weakness so that he can be strong in us. So, so that's why I think people put themselves in that position because yeah. they're really not they're really not empowered, is like you said. Yeah. I, I want to paint this picture and I, and I want to paint a clear picture. And in order to do that, um, in order to really teach this and, and, and talk about this clearly, I feel like there's certain questions that need to be asked and we need to find out like the origins of certain things. So um, where does... Where does immorality start? Like, like, where do we measure immorality and say, this is where immor immorality begins and this is where immorality ends? Or this is when, this is when fornication begins mm -hmm. and this is when fornication ends? Well, by definition, just the word fornication, by definition, means sex out of marriage. That's just the meaning of the word. When the Bible talks about fornication, which it does, that's what it means, okay? But we can focus on telling people don't fornicate, or we can focus on the intention of God. What is his intent for humanity, for, uh, for marriage, for a man and a woman? What is his intention? What is the kingdom perspective of this institution? Like, what is his intent? for creating Adam and Eve. Yeah, so biblically speaking, where does this institution begin? Like, when is this set in motion? You know, we can see in the book of Genesis, 
that it begins when two people become one under the covering of God. So Adam and Eve become one flesh, the Bible says, and God is in the middle of that. God is above them, covering them as they become one. So I would say it ends when two strong people that know themselves and know God and God knows them and they're believers come together in marriage under God That's and committed to themselves for life, just like Adam and Eve. Then that's where that's that's where I would say commitment, faithfulness, purity, intimacy, and, and overall marriage starts and everything else just kind of goes away. So you're saying that God set this in motion. He he had this intention mm -hmm. and he established basically what he intended. Right. See culturally now we see it acceptable to have sex before marriage. Um, you know, it's important to test drive the car before you buy it. We hear that it's good to live together before you get married. Yeah. Uh, just to see if things are going to work out, just to see if you'll be able to live with that person. Right. And that's that's kind of like the cultural norm. Yeah. In the Bible, what seemed like the cultural norm at some point, uh, for a long time actually, was to have concubines mm. and what what you were saying is is god established this this institution of marriage let's say between one man and one woman adam and eve mm -hmm. but then in the bible we see how these men men that we look up to heroes of the faith had concubines is that immoral like because to me it seems it seems like it yeah and the question that I have for us, maybe we can talk about it, is did God approve that immorality? Or did mm. God, like, why did he allow it? Yeah. That's a really tough question. I think that's a question that some people can hold on to and uh, say, well, see, if that's okay with David having several wives and Solomon, then it's okay for me to live how the culture is living today which sex before marriage, etc. But again, again, God, God's intention was different. And you can see the different things that these men had to go through because of the concubines and the other wives and the things like that. Because it was not the intent of God for this to happen. Um, so I, I, I still firmly believe that as humanity, we were learning about this God because after Adam and Eve sinned we lost this connection and so we sort of lost ourselves in culture this whole concubine thing was was stuff that other cultures were doing around you know the people of Israel and so they adopted it and we just got lost in the culture we got lost in the influence of culture but God's intention never got lost and through Jesus, the Redeemer, he came to redeem that intention of God, of Adam and Eve. And the way that, that Jesus redeems it is that marriage is, is an example of Jesus and his church. 
So this concludes the first part to a two-part chat that Pastor Mario and I had on purity. I truly hope and pray that you've been blessed um, in just your daily life and your daily walk, especially if you yourself find yourself struggling uh, with understanding purity and how it applies to your life. Um, I hope that you take this message to heart and um, I pray that God will just speak to you and help you and just reveal to you what it is uh, that he intends for you, how he intends for you to live and, and how he wants nothing for you but an abundant life. So let me just pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to speak about you, God. I don't take that for granted, Lord. This this honor, God, that I have, that we have, Lord, to speak so freely about you, God, and what you have established, Lord. It's, it's a privilege, and I'm so grateful to you for it, God. I ask, Lord, that you would just bless those that are listening, God, that you would empower them, Lord, that you would empower us all, Father, just like you empowered that righteous woman, Father, after she was thrown, Lord, at your feet, and her accuser's attempt was to shame her before you, God. Just like how you empowered her, Father. Empower us, Lord. Give us our right standing. Show us our right standing. The right standing that you have already given us, God. And empower us, Lord, to just move forward. Thank you so much, Lord. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. So remember to catch the second part of this awesome chat on purity uh, this upcoming Thursday. Uh, I hope that you are blessed again. I hope that you are blessed by this chat. And remember that you are not alone in this world. You are loved. God bless you.